Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Wargle, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for the Rivals Network. I was really excited to do this show this week when I thought about it on Saturday morning. Wisconsin was coming off a tremendous 45-7 victory over Illinois. Graham Mertz was the star of the show with five touchdown passes, 20 for 21 passing, one of the best debuts by a Wisconsin quarterback I have seen in all my years covering this beat. The Badgers appeared to be outperforming the expectations we had for them. They moved up to number nine in the country, and then everything hit the fan on Sunday. And now Wisconsin is pausing all team activities for seven days. They're not going to play this weekend in Nebraska. The game goes down as a no contest. And we are left wondering, when will Wisconsin football return to the field again? On this episode, you will hear from Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez and Head Coach Paul Chris, who is among those who have tested positive for COVID-19. Wisconsin, since they last played on Friday, has received at least 12 positive tests, six players, six coaches, Chris, offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph, we are told, is one of them through sources. Graham Mertz is one that we have been told through source reporting. Chase Wolf is believed to be one as well. Uh, so Wisconsin is going to go into this game on Monday or Tuesday with a four-string quarterback. Now we may see Danny Vandenboom on November 7th against Purdue or even November 14th at Michigan. Again, we don't know. We'll also talk to our friend Parker Gabriel uh, down in Lincoln, uh, covers the Huskers down for the, the Lincoln Journal Star. He'll give us our uh, kind of an insight to what's going on down in Lincoln, what the fan reaction is, uh, what the Huskers are going to try to do here to try to get their season going in the right direction after they didn't look very pretty in their opener, a, a 52-17 pasting at Ohio State. Always good to catch up with Parker, my good writing buddy, uh, back from our student writing days at the University of Wisconsin. But first, we got to get into the timeline here. Wisconsin had no positive tests going into Friday night's game, and they performed like a team that was trending in the right direction. 45-7, the defense looked fantastic. They didn't give up a single point. Uh, Wisconsin's offense really was in sync from a passing game standpoint. Graham Mertz was phenomenal. Early passes completed early, then he slowly opened up. The passing game was slants over the middle and then a, a tremendous deep ball touchdown to Danny Davis of 50 plus yards right before half. Wisconsin basically was on cruise control the entire game, uh, especially after the second quarter. The special teams looked pretty good, too. That was the one big area that was of a concern going into the game. I thought the punt team looked good. Cookoff return from the little that we saw of St- uh, Stephen Bracey returning kicks. He did a nice job. A lot to be encouraged by with Wisconsin. And then on Sunday, we got the word, uh, first reported by Jeff Patrikas of the Journal Sentinel, that Graham Mertz had tested positive in the daily testing and that they would have to do the the PCR tests, that is the more uh, evasive test, uh, the nasal swab, and to get those results. And Graham Mertz, eventually the results came back positive. Paul Chris on Monday uh, said he will not, could not, and should not talk about any medical uh, testing procedures as it relates to the student athletes. Then we found out that Chase Wolf had tested positive, who is the third string quarterback at Wisconsin. Keep in mind that Jack Cohn is still out for an undetermined period of time as he recovers from foot surgery. And so it's going to be the Danny Vandenboom show. 
But as Tuesday turned into Wednesday, we started to hear more and more reports that more players were getting sick, or I should say getting positive tests. And by Wednesday morning, the news came down that this game uh, is going to be canceled. And this was the statement that we received, uh, the media did at our inbox at 10.15 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Uh, the Wisconsin football team will pause all team-related activities for at least seven days due to an elevated number of COVID-19 cases within the Badgers program. The team's scheduled game against Nebraska on Saturday will not be played. As of Wednesday morning, October 28th, a total of 12 people within the Wisconsin football program had tested positive for COVID-19 in the past five days. That figure includes six student athletes and six staff members, including head coach Paul Christ. Additional test results are pending. Wisconsin's next scheduled game is at home against Purdue on November 7th. There's some quotes in here from Chris and Barry Alvarez, but you're going to hear from both those guys here just a little bit from uh, their Zoom call with reporters on Wednesday. Uh, where's, where's this put Wisconsin? Well, certainly uh, the Badgers are going to be in a, a tough spot because any positive tests that Wisconsin has uh, for a player, that person has to be held out according to the Big Ten protocols for 21 days, uh, team activities, no practices, no games. So for a player like Graham Mertz, uh, he would have had to miss the next two games, which would have been Purdue and Nebraska. In theory, he could have been back from Michigan, but would have played with little to no practice time. Uh, for the coaching staff, they have to be out 10 days. Paul Chris tested positive uh, he, on Wednesday, he found the results, took the test on Tuesday. So in theory, he could be back Friday, the day before the game, or the morning of the game. Uh, but he can't be on the field at all with his players during that time frame. Uh, you'll hear in a little bit, Barry Alvarez said that the infected players will likely be quarantined in a hotel for at least seven days. All the other players at UW will be isolated for seven days and will still undergo daily testing. Wisconsin doesn't know how this started. They don't know if it was a super spreader event. They don't know if it just has got, we don't know. No one knows. Uh, there's no kind of patient zero, ground zero uh, as to where this disease first started and how it kind of worked between, uh, throughout the program. Uh, obviously, Chase Wolf and Graham Mertz are close uh, with uh, their working on a day-to-day -day basis. Paul Chris is in those means too, so you can see how those three may be caught it. Same with Joe Rudolph. We don't know who else has it within the team. Uh, you look at uh, this situation that Wisconsin's in, and this is probably the, the, the big shame of it all, is that while people are going to blame Wisconsin for this outbreak, um, the real blame needs to go towards the Big Ten and Commissioner Kevin Warren. And you look at where this all started. We talked about this prior to the start of the season with, with Jake uh, Kokorowski and even with Parker Gaber way back when, too, that if the conference had just stayed in step with the other Power Five leagues, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, namely, uh, the Big Ten could have played nine or more games across a, a three-month span rather than just, you know, the two months they were trying to do it. But instead... Warren tried to push a schedule of nine games in nine weeks, even as every Power Five conference was having to reschedule games due to COVID-related issues, and COVID cases are spiking throughout the country in, in over 40 states. Wisconsin has become a COVID hotspot here over the last several days and several weeks. Uh, just earlier this week, they had over 5,000 new cases and 64 deaths in one day 
that set uh, new, unfortunately, new records during this pandemic. Now, the Big Ten believed that it wouldn't happen because not they have this nice comprehensive testing program that included rigorous daily testing, that they wouldn't do a bubble, but they would be able to nip this in the bud before anything really broke out. And as expected, the Big Ten has joined the rest of its conference uh, brethren, not even lasting into the second week until a game involving the West Division favorite has to be scrubbed from the record. And that's what's going to go down as not a forfeit for Wisconsin, a simple no contest as if the game was never scheduled to begin with. Now, instead of pushing back the start of the season like it should have in the beginning of August to late September, early October, the Big Ten outright canceled the start of the season just days after releasing a schedule, a perfect schedule, mind you. It had built-in bye weeks. It had enough wiggle room to move around affected games to ensure a full slate of games was possible uh, during a pandemic. And when the Big Ten rightfully announced it was coming back, the greed from the league took over. Instead of having a division-only schedule with built-in buys, so it's a a six-game schedule against your six division opponents, the conference scheduled two crossover games to try to get more cookies of the TV network cookie jar. And, of course, they got caught with this Wisconsin-Nebraska game unable to be postponed because nine games in nine weeks, no wiggle room, no margin for error, no opportunity for a reschedulement. And now because of the Big Ten's short-sightedness of trying to play enough games to gain a foothold in the college football playoff picture, it could prevent the best teams in the league from playing enough games to put together the resume needed to earn a place in the national semifinals. And don't think for a second that this is going to be the only Big Ten game schedule the only scheduled Big Ten game that won't be postponed. It's going to happen some more. And, you know, trying to play football amid a a pandemic is troubling, but trying to play it with an inexperienced commissioner making the calls is another. And the Big Ten now is going to have to scramble to make sure that they have all their T's crossed and all their I's dotted and that all their players are adhering to every possible precaution because many more outbreaks like the one Wisconsin has, like say at Ohio State or a Penn State or a Michigan, it's going to spell doomsday uh, for the Big Ten. Wisconsin has, is hoping to play Purdue next week. And Wisconsin almost needs to play because if Wisconsin doesn't play, they've become in a very precarious spot with their ability to qualify for the Big Ten championship game. To qualify for the conference title game this year, a team must play at least six games or a team must play no fewer than two conference games than the average conference games between all teams. So, for example, four games played if the conference averages is six. Alvarez stated he believes Wisconsin has got a team that can do some damage, but another missed game will put Wisconsin at the minimum required to play for Big Ten title, and that's with no more cancellations. However, both Head coach Paul Chris and Wisconsin athletic director Barry Alvarez kind of downplayed what the stats of these games going forward are going to be. Let's play this audio for you. This is first uh, Barry Alvarez speaking with uh, reporters on Wednesday after the announcement of Wisconsin Wisconsin canceling Saturday's game at Nebraska. I guess if you could just help us give us a little bit of a timeline here or uh, break down where things stand. Is the program right now in the, the orange-red or red-red scenarios that were laid out by the Big Ten? Is that part of the reason that uh, the game was canceled on Saturday? Well, the game was canceled um, 
it got to the point where it was orange red. But let, let's take a look at the timeline. Um, our first month of testing and practice, we had one positive. We had one positive test. I believe it was uh, Wednesday prior to the game. Since the game, we've had 12 positive tests. We just felt with the number of positives in that short of timeline, uh, we, the chancellor and I felt we have an issue um, that we had to make this decision and get our arms around this and control the COVID uh, and, and the virus now before it got out of hand. Barry, this seven-day pause would seem to put the week three game against Purdue in jeopardy. How, how worried are you about that and what needs to happen, um, I guess, before then to make sure you guys can play that game or, or any other games going forward? Yeah, we'll, we'll see where we are as far as testing and, and we'll make that decision uh, as we move closer to the game. Um, but the, the most important thing right now is is to uh, quarantine our players uh, and get this uh, under control. We'll make that decision about, about playing the, the next game uh, when that time comes. Barry, um from what you know about the testing, was this always a possibility? I mean, we, we heard things about how this would limit contact tracing and ideally limit the number of, of positive tests in a short period. Some people are wondering, did, did the testing not work right? Or, or is this, was this always a possibility in your mind from what you knew about the antigen testing every day? Um, you know, Adam, we felt like uh, the, the daily uh, quick response test uh, would answer contact tracing for us. Um, you know, obviously it's not the total answer, but it is, it is given us some criteria that we can go on. And, you know, we felt after the first month that we had a you know, pretty good grasp of it and, and uh, uh, we're confident in it. What was your conversations with Nebraska about this? I called Bill Moose this morning. We had a, our normal uh, 7 a.m. athletic director's call. Um, I got a hold of Bill before that call and uh, told him what our decision was, what our situation was. But Bill was very understanding, disappointed because we were supposed to have dinner Friday night together. But I think I thought Bill uh, was very professional and understanding and felt disappointed for us. And I'm sure disappointed uh, uh, that we weren't going to play a game. When does the seven-day period end, and what is the likelihood the Purdue game will be played, given that when that seven-day period ends, I, I think I have this right, the team will have to start like from zero and then go to 60 practicing and get ready for a game the, a few days later? Yeah, Dennis, that's something that <clears throat> we'll have to determine. We'll have to see where we are as far as testing. Uh, and, before we make that decision and uh, you know as far as I haven't looked at the logistics for how many days obviously we could start game planning now um, you could have meetings zoom meetings etc but you still have to get out and, and move around and, and, and physically go through your things so uh, you know that's something that we will we'll determine as as we move forward
Barry, you mentioned the players uh, quarantining in individual hotel rooms. I was curious what the next steps are for them. Has the whole team taken a nasal swab test? And if that's negative, they can come out of quarantine or are they quarantining for a certain amount of days no matter what? What's the situation with that? As I understand it, we're quarantining for seven days. And they will continue to test. This is a loaded question. I mean, look, you guys fought so hard to get back here. You look great in the first game, and now this. How do you balance the safety and the frustration with, man, like we could be a contender for the West? Yeah, it is. We were very excited about the fact that we could play. Um, and I think the most dangerous thing is, you know, being anxious to get back in, particularly, Heather, as you said, uh, personally, I think we're a very good football team. And I thought we performed very well. Uh, really impressed with the fact that we had, you know, as, as you watch games, as I've been watching college football for, for the last several weeks, that first game, there were so many mistakes made by so many people, whether it be turnovers, penalties, et cetera. And we played such a clean game. Uh, and to turn around and not be able to play or continue to practice right now, uh, it's very disappointing and frustrating. And I think the first thing, your natural tendency is, let's get back on the field and get right back at it. But uh, that's where you know you have to put priorities in order and make sure that our number one concern is health and safety of our athletes. And that, that's the priorities that we'll keep. That was Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez. And now let's hear from Wisconsin Head Coach Paul Chris. Was isolated at his home. He says he is showing no symptoms. He feels fine. He is just disappointed at the fact that his team is now going to have to pause for seven games and that they're not going to be able to compete uh, this weekend at Nebraska. One, well, first of all, how do you feel physically? And then second, you talked at length, and your players have about how to mitigate this, to do all the right things. But there were times it looked like during the game where the facial covering was below your nose, which they don't recommend. Do you look back now at some things where the team or you missed some opportunities to be tighter and with the way you handled things? Yeah, um, first part of your question is, you know, I, I physically uh, feel good. Certainly disappointed, right, for the, um, you know, for what's, what's happened. And, you know, throughout this whole, really kind of as we've gone about this, you know, we were wanting the opportunity, and our players were wanting the opportunity to play, and and then to um, not have that opportunity, and and I know why, and I support, you know, and understand why we're not. But you know, when you have a hand in it, you you don't feel that that's where there's a disappointment. As far as are there things that personally or even team wise that um, you know, you go through it with, um, with everything, you know, certainly it was before today. Um, you know, I mean, I, I was, what you're mentioning about the mask, you know, and I, and I kind of, you know, gone through practice and it was good. And then I didn't know if it was because of the daylight and, and then it was fogging up. And, and so that was something I needed to get better at. Right. Um, it was working on that you know, yesterday on the field, you know, I had the shield and the mask. And, you know, she, there are always things, you know, it was also, I think, uh, asked 
in kind of Barry's portion of the of of this, you know, what have what have we done? Were there things that we did differently, or that you know? I think every day you're trying to look at um, what is it that we can do to to try to be doing this better, right? And and to to mitigate it. And certainly, um, you know, this is. And I, I don't profess to be an expert on this, but this is one part of this virus that it it, it gets you in a number of different ways, and and. You know, if you get, we don't know, like, do we have one super spreader? Did we, you, you know, I, I don't know that, Jeff, right? But you, you're absolutely always going to look at how can we be better and, and what do we need to do? And, and um, you know, we changed stuff really at the start of, you know, the end of last week. And, you know, even f- when we went, you know, I know it was brought up before and kind of at the hotel and we, you know, we didn't have any team meals. We didn't. Um, we had it available, and there was to-goes, and then you, could, you kind of had some spaced-out seating uh, for some. You know, it was 10 in a room and big rooms, and, and so you try to do all you can, and, um, and it, you know, do I know that something there caused it? You know, I don't know uh, ground zero or, or where it really started, and, and that's where you continue to try to, uh, you know, it's what would... Right. The big thing is, in any of this, is what's our response? And, and the response is absolutely try to find every way that you can, one, how do we lower the curve, right? And that's what this, the seven-day pause is. And, and to not have um, as many, it was, you know, we, we had a number of, of positives. And so you first thing is to, to try to lower that, and then it's, and then it's, you know, as you go forward, what are the different things we can do to uh, to allow ourselves to give us a chance to to play? And that's that, that's something that will be you do every day, I think. Paul, if my math is right, and the seven day pause means you guys won't get back till probably next Wednesday at the earliest. Um, is it realistic that you can play the game against Purdue the the following Saturday um, with that short of time frame? Plus, when you add in the fact that you and other staff members can't be with the team in person until, by my math, Saturday? I think that, um, you know, first of all, it's, it's we've got to be, uh, I don't know if the right word is productive, but we've got the, we've got to make use of this pause, right? And, and um, we've got to flatten out the, what was happening. And, and then, um, you know, I do think that, that we can, uh, it, it, let's say it did go along those lines, and you could go. I, I think that there is, you know, been a part of a lot of uh, different teams where you can prepare in a short time, you know. But but it probably really none of that matters until we. Um, first thing we gotta do is take advantage of this seven day pause, and you know, every one of our. Uh, Guys will be tested every day, you know, and, and and hopefully we can show progress there, and um, and give ourselves the opportunity to to be talking about the the next game. How challenging is it to navigate all of this um, in a state that is a hotspot? I mean, this isn't just 
your program that's been dealing with COVID, but the whole state is. So, it, you know, it's behavior outside of the football facility and everything. Just I'm wondering what the context around the program has been like to navigate. Yeah, um, I think it's a really good, fair question, right? I don't know anything else, right? So I don't know that I can speak because I can't compare it to something else I've gone through on it, right? Um, I think there, you know, there certainly is a great awareness about it. And, um, you know, I, from the mi- moment we got back together, you know, I talked to our players all the time about um, what's happening and, and, you know, you can have the best of intentions and you can do all that you can and, and, and it can still happen, right? Now, it feels different when you're one of the, I don't want to say contributors, but you know, I've got to listen to the words that I was talking to them. But I don't know that I could say it's more difficult or less difficult because of at Wisconsin being Wisconsin. I don't know if I'm understanding your question right, but I think that would be my answer if I am. Paul, sorry this happened. Uh, when did you test positive? Um, yesterday afternoon, just in the morning, we took an antigen test and was uh, negative there. And then yesterday afternoon, uh, we all uh, took a PCR test and found out the results this morning. So that that would put the coaches back on the field earliest next Friday. This kind of goes with that other question. Do you see any way that you can get back on the field Friday? Because nothing happens until the coaches are back on the field. That you can play that Purdue game. I understand what you're saying. I, right now, it's it's how do we navigate the set the you know the, the seven day pause is important for us right and we've got to we've got to do that well and um, that's got to go uh, kind of serve its proper purpose and then we can kind of address the the other parts of it and and not all the coaches have gotten it if this works with the, the players isolated in the hotel rooms and everything and the, the curve stops is that something that you would consider trying to make work throughout the rest of the season, given what you've gone through in the last week? You know, I think those are all – I think, Colton, it would kind of fall under the – you know what we were talking about when, when Jeff asked the question, and I probably went on a tangent of a lot of things, right, that um, you, you're going to try to find everything – like we are – we want to do this the right way, and and uh, certainly, and that's where it's you, know, you you support the the decision because what matters most is you know the health and safety of our our players, and then um, then I think you're also trying to do what what provide them what they want most and and what we want, and that's the opportunity to play, and and that's where you're trying to have that balance. And so I think you're going to try to look at uh, everything that you can do that, uh, that serves those two purposes. That was Wisconsin head coach Paul Chris. And as you heard from him, again, really not knowing a lot and really not giving a lot. Certainly he took a little bit of heat and a little bit of blame uh, for himself not wearing a mask uh, during the game on Friday night, speaking to players, coaches, and officials. He was shown on TV with a mask ear below his nose or uh, underneath his chin. Certainly the the fogging up on a brisk night is understandable, but one probably could have foreseen 
that situation happening, considering that Wisconsin has practice outside at night in the cold weather, and you're supposed to be wearing a mask and social distancing. One would think that Chris would have dealt with that already, but again, it is what it is, and now Wisconsin has to figure out where they're going to be at in seven days, and if they can get back on the field in seven days, who is going to coach them, how will their roster look like, and can they do enough to prepare to play Purdue at 2.30 on November 7th. Now to get to the Nebraska side of things, we go to our friend Parker Gabriel uh, out in Lincoln, who is, I think he's searching for a game to cover this weekend, or he's studying up on his COVID rolling seven-day protocols. Parker, have you mastered your WebMD uh, degree yet? Yeah, I've been working on my statistician, my, my, stat, my, my statistics skills, and I've come to the conclusion that maybe Nebraska will play Utah or something like that. I think we've come to the conclusion here that really no one in the journalism field knows uh, how to count. Um, I think depending on the person, you get a, a different start day and end day of, of what is going on here. And, you know, that kind of fits in with what 2020 is pretty much. Everyone is just kind of confused and throwing up their hands and trying to figure out, you know, how the hell to get to the next day. You know, what has been the reaction uh, from Nebraska fans, I, I want to say, that this game has been canceled um, and it's not going to be made up, basically because Wisconsin had an outbreak and no fault of, of the Cornhuskers program. Yeah, I mean, I think the fan reaction has been relatively predictable. It's ranged from, oh, man, that's too bad. I was really looking forward to, you know, watching the game on TV to all sorts of, you know, conspiracy theories or whatever. And, of course, you've got a segment of Twitter that... Uh, thinks that this is more about the fact that number, uh, that uh, Wisconsin might have been down to its four-string quarterback. But, I mean, I don't know. That's that's, that's, a, that's the vocal minority type of thing. You know, maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe we're all conspiracy theorists now. But uh, to me, like, I think that I've seen a lot of people, or at least a good amount of people, who understand that 12 confirmed positive cases with more pending and without, at this point, from Wisconsin's point of view, the, the ability to say, okay, we've got this thing under control that we know, you know, the extent of the outbreak, I mean, it's a pretty rational um, and pretty predictable outcome that the game got canceled. I mean, you just can't, like, how, how functionally, how would have Wisconsin practiced the rest of the week in good faith? And then, like, how would you know who can travel? Why would you put a group on an airplane? Like, there's just, there's way too many questions that don't have answers um, for the game to have gone on this weekend. When you look at this Nebraska football team, how badly do they need to play a game this weekend against anybody? I mean, this is a, a program that was 5-7 and seven in the last two years. They didn't look all that good against Ohio State, but I think, to be fair, I don't think a lot of teams are going to look that good against Ohio State in the Big Ten this year. You know, Scott Frost has talked about all, ever since really the Big Ten was first canceled, that we're going to play, we're going to find a way to play. You had eight Nebraska Cornhusker players sue the Big Ten to play. How badly did this group want to play, and how badly, like I said, do they need to play to kind of just start generate some momentum with the program? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you sort of hit it. I mean, I think I think they want to play, and I think they, they need to play. I mean, obviously, obviously the public health situation could dictate that they don't. Um, and unless the Big Ten is going to allow them to, to schedule a non-conference game on 48 hours notice, basically, 
Um, you know, as we speak right now, obviously they're not going to play this weekend. Um, you know, we'll see if there's any wiggle room on that. But I think you're right. I mean, it's a it's a team that it, it feels like it's made progress. Um, and obviously, you know, the scoreboard was what it was against Ohio State. It was 52 to 17, a 35 point loss, right in line with what it's looked like for the past uh, six years against Ohio State. Um, you know, I'm not trust me. I'm not one of these guys who's going to sit here and and say like. Well, it's 35 points, but although I do think a rational person could you know, that, that knows Nebraska's team and has seen them in recent years um, could say that they looked better, especially um, on the lines, offensive line and defensive line, than we've really seen consistently under Scott Frost so far. So there, there are some building blocks, but obviously you want to get the taste of a blowout loss uh, out of your mouth and, and you want to play and all that and you just don't have that many opportunities this fall to do it so I won't be surprised if they're if they're pushing hard behind the scenes to try to find somebody to play um, for all of the reasons that you mentioned it's just a matter of you know is it going to happen or not Wisconsin uh, head coach Paul Chris has been kind of he's been very vague and very non-descript uh, when asked about uh, testing uh, procedures um, kind of plan B's and different things like that what is Nebraska doing to kind of prevent what Wisconsin's going through now, which is an outbreak on their team? Um, obviously, you have the daily testing of the Big Ten. That's pretty much standard across all 14 schools. Are they trying to do anything else um, in terms of uh, having players kind of quarantined together outside the facility? How much can they really monitor what's going on? Because these are still college students um, who are going to do college-level things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... You know, you can't. There's no such thing as a bubble in college athletics. I mean, kids live on campus. They're going, I think a lot of classes are online, but obviously you're going to class at least some, um, you know. And I, I think, I think, and I'm guessing that Wisconsin is the same way. I mean, I think for the most part, you know, kids, uh, as the season has gotten going and they've seen, you know, what, what can happen or, or what you don't want to happen. I mean, I think that most guys are probably being relatively cautious, you know, like not maybe not going out in a situation where you would have before or whatever, but I mean, I don't think I'd be surprised if anybody in the country bats a thousand on that, so you know, there's there's definitely risk uh, we heard um, uh, one of Nebraska's young defensive linemen, Casey Rogers, yesterday say that seeing Graham Mertz test positive and then the actual like practically having a real life scenario where you think wow, he's out for 21 days that that was eye-opening, you know. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I don't want to miss three games or, you know, three weeks, but it's another to, like, literally watch a guy throw five touchdowns on Friday night, and then by Sunday night, like, he's out. Um, that, that resonates, I think, with players. So that's definitely part of it. And then the other part of it is, you know, Nebraska and Scott Frost has been – we haven't, we don't know how many guys on the team have had it. We don't know really anything about their numbers. Um, but one thing we do know is that – that Frost said a couple of weeks ago that that they think that maybe with the number of players they had that, that had the virus earlier in the year, that they might not even be able to get to Red Red because they've got, you know, some percentage, probably more than half of the team has already had it at some point. So, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I don't know. I'm not really the judge of that. But, um, you know, there's definitely a thinking out there that, that Red Red or a position where, you know, you have an uncontrolled outbreak, um, it would be hard for it to happen, but obviously, you know, it happened with Wisconsin, so it's not possible. Yeah, it was uh, Barry Alvarez, uh, as you heard earlier, um, 
uh, so Wisconsin was kind of in the orange-red category, so that kind of left it up to them. It seemed like they were trending that way to red-red. I wouldn't be surprised if in yeah. the next 48 hours, uh, with more test results come back, they would get over that 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 hump and certainly would be in in a real dire uh, straits in terms of their numbers and just health and seeming I mean, for crying out loud they were down to two healthy quarterbacks i mean we think right. nothing's been confirmed right. by uw so danny vandenboom as the four string starter against nebraska's defense that would be interesting um you know you look at what you saw on, on friday as you scouted wisconsin from your cushy hotel room uh, in columbus what what'd yeah, you what'd you think exactly right. what'd you think of how wisconsin looked um, as in kind of hypothetical how a, a Wisconsin offense with Graham Mertz would have fared against uh, this Nebraska defense. Yeah, it's super interesting because I actually thought, I haven't thought this way about a Nebraska football game in a long time, but I actually, I, w- I was watching Wisconsin and then I watched Nebraska obviously in person on Saturday and I couldn't help but wonder if maybe we were in for something approximating a, a, a slugfest. You know, maybe not, maybe not 10 to 7 or anything like that, but I thought that, you know, the the strengths and the weaknesses sort of matched a little bit. You know, Nebraska, one thing that they were able to do on offense was, I mean, they lined up and ran the ball at Ohio State, um, and they had success in doing that. They rushed for 220 yards, and um, especially in the first half, they ran it really well. I mean, they, you know, they got behind, and they couldn't really do that as much in the second half. But, um, you know, and then their, their defensive front, uh, you know, after the game, and early in the week, I've seen Ohio State talking about how frustrated they were that they weren't able to run the ball better. Um, uh, you know, and obviously, you're in a pretty good place where you can complain about not running the ball as well as you want when you scored 52 points. Um, but I-, I thought that it was, with just the way Wisconsin looked, knowing enough about the program to know that they probably, that, that Wisconsin's offensive line probably would have taken a big step forward week one to week two. I thought it was going to be interesting to see how that looked because, um, you know, Nebraska's front seven actually looked like a Big Ten front seven, um, which is a change from the past couple of years. <laughs> and then um, I think that it would be a real strength-on-strength strength matchup, Nebraska's offensive line against Wisconsin's defensive front, which looks like it's going to be really salty. Um, so I thought I thought it was shaping up to be a good one. Um, and obviously a little more... Uh, well, interesting schematically as it was going to be, um, you know, QB4 with, with uh, Danny Vandenboom. But regardless, the play quarterback, I thought it was an intriguing matchup, although one that you would still probably favor Wisconsin. Yeah, even though Ohio State's you know, final score is pretty lopsided, I thought there were some things there that Nebraska did that was going to challenge Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin, you know, Surprisingly, did not run the ball very well against Illinois. Uh, I think their longest rush was 13 yards. They really had to grind things out on the ground. I mean, they ran for 200 plus. They only averaged about 3.9 yards per carry. Uh, you certainly look at Wisconsin's front. Um, it's going to be scary good this year. But the Badgers did have some issues containing uh, Illinois in terms of the running quarterback to a degree, and that certainly has some strength with Nebraska. So I thought it was going to be a, a really good football game. I, I did get a tweet from a Nebraska fan and said, well, at least we didn't lose to Wisconsin this year, you know. So I was like, well, you know, you know, that's encouraging. You know, take that, put your hat on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Exactly. You and I have covered the Big Ten for a while, and I shared my thoughts with the listeners earlier about uh, where I think the Big Ten uh, went wrong with the testing, uh, or or not necessarily the testing, but with their scheduling and kind of their aggressive yeah. nature. What's your take on the Big Ten trying to do nine games in nine days or nine nine games in nine weeks? Do you think that was 
uh, what was your initial thought when that came out? Yeah, just that it, I mean, that it wasn't going to happen uh, without hiccups. And I, I don't know if I thought that it'd be by week two um, that we would already be having games canceled. But just, I mean, that you never know. And when you don't have any flexibility, you know, that's you're, that's what you're asking for. And so I thought, you know, the, the Big Ten had the right idea on August 5th when they announced the schedule with a lot of flexibility. And at that moment, what they did was they, they went aggressive with the September 5th start date. Yeah, and that was earlier than anybody else was going to start. Um, and then they said, okay, we got all this flexibility in there. And then I think what happened was the, the, the presidents and chancellors decided, well, we don't know enough about the virus in general. And oh, by the way, at that point, you know, they did not have uh, the mandate that everybody needed a daily, you know, antigen testing protocol and system in place. And so they weren't able to just bump it back by a couple weeks, so they didn't think they could. Because it wasn't like, okay, everyone's going to have this rapid testing, but it's going to not be in place until September 30th. Let's back up until then. They didn't know at that point that that was going to be possible. And so, to me, like, the, the real shame of it is that that schedule that they put out in early August, the 10-game schedule, it had all of these, it was like it was like a Rube Goldberg machine. You know, you just like you just like drop the ball in or you pull the lever, and you could move all these games around. Yeah, someone, exactly. There was... A, there was all these options for if you hey you lost the game there was like a ninety five percent chance that that whoever you were playing you either shared a date with or you could play it at the end of the season and there were all of these contingencies in place and then somehow they went from that to ending up like six weeks later with a schedule that had literally none of that and so it just they just put themselves in a hard spot by delaying as long as they did um, and this is I mean they're, they're you know. The Big Ten and now two of the teams in the Big Ten are bearing the brunt of the fact that they delayed long enough that there's no flexibility left. Yeah, and it's not like Illinois against Purdue was canceled. This is Wisconsin-Nebraska, two of the premier teams in the West, and that, in theory, could hurt Ohio State in a Big Ten title game if Wisconsin has to miss next week's game against Purdue, which seems unlikely that's going to be played or very unrealistic. So then Wisconsin, basically, they can't miss another game or they need to hope, and hope is a bad word to use here, that other teams in the West miss games because of the outbreak to kind of bring the average number of games down so they would qualify. And, you know, if Wisconsin's not eligible, I mean, Ohio State could play some team that's not up to the caliber of a Wisconsin or a Nebraska, and that wouldn't help their profile either. And you mentioned the earlier schedule. If I recall the last week of that initial schedule was all crossover games and you could yep, have canceled right. those to move a division game in there. And yeah, I don't get how the big 10 could put out a nine games or an eight game schedule in eight weeks. And then the crossover games with the ACC having canceled games, the big 12 canceling games, Houston went like three weeks without canceling games. Notre Dame has canceled games. SEC has canceled games. I don't get why the big 10 thought they'd be immune to this, but all those other conferences built in wiggle room and the big 10, like you said, did not, and now they're in a real pickle. Yeah, and, and that, so not only that, but I mean, and I'm not sure, you know, there's probably people out there that haven't just, you haven't thought this far ahead yet, but not only, okay, so there, there's obviously an open question. It's I, I would be skeptical of whether Wisconsin will be ready to play Purdue a week from Saturday, but then, I, then go a step further. I mean, any of the players who tested positive Sunday or later are not going to be available to play against Michigan either. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might be back up and running by then, 
one way or another, like Wisconsin is going to be shorthanded in that game too. You know, Graham Mertz actually might be back, but the rest of the guys, if you test a positive Sunday or later, like all of those guys on a 21-day sit-out, none of them are going to be available against Michigan. So then it's like, you know, it's, when you're when you're piling all of the games into an eight-week span, I mean, an outbreak like we see with Wisconsin, I mean, it messes with, you know, it's going to mess with half their season, basically. Um, and that, especially for a team like UW, which is a, you know, probably came out of week one, you know, from the outside, you'd be looking at them thinking that they might be a playoff contender. Um, I mean, that's a big ask to say that, that you're going to, you know, you obviously don't have a game against Nebraska. Are you going to beat Purdue, which already has a win against Iowa, shorthanded and short-prepped, and then beat Michigan shorthanded? I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's a, that's a really tough spot to be in. Their beginning of their schedule, I thought Parker was always the toughest. I mean, you get through Illinois. Yeah. Illinois beat them last year, so I mean, you have to give Illinois a little bit of credit. They didn't look nearly as good as we thought they would. But Purdue looked good in week three, or excuse me, last week uh, against in that win against Iowa, going into week three, and they have Illinois this weekend as of now. So they didn't think they would be probably two and zero. And then you go to to Michigan. That's probably their toughest game on their schedule. And Graham Mertz, in theory, could be back, but because of the 21-day clock, he would have had no practice time. They basically would throw right. him in. Um, here you go, Graham. Um, hope you don't have yeah, too much right. rust. Or it's Danny Vandenboom. But who knows who else has tested positive? What if, of right. these six positives, what if it's the starting left tackle? Uh, what if it's the, right. the starting center, and then you have to rely on a backup? There's so many question marks we don't know, and, you know, it seems like now Wisconsin is going to have to scramble here just to, as Barry said, you know, we just made this decision now to hopefully be able to play the rest of our season. But uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting seven-day window here for Wisconsin as they pause activities without really knowing what the future is and how much further this outbreak is going to go. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's uh, there's obviously, and when you zoom out, you know, there's obviously more important things than Absolutely. play against Purdue or not. You know, like, of course, the main thing is, you hope that, that nobody has bad symptoms. You hope nobody has any complications. Um, you hope, like, generally speaking, that it gets better. I mean, you know, my whole family, um, my, my, my brother's a high school teacher at Wanakee, and, you know, my, my dad and mom live not too far from Hilldale, and, or my dad and stepmom live not too far from Hilldale. My mom lives in Blanchardville. So, like, you know, the, 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 the scene in southern Wisconsin is scary enough as it is, as it pertains to the virus. Absolutely. Like, you know, there's, but in the in the sense of football, like it is, it is just going to royally mess with Wisconsin for longer than you know just this weekend. Kind of fits in the narrative of 2020, and, and you know, sources indicate yeah. that Wisconsin canceled this game because they just want to keep that beautiful freedom trophy in their locker room for another year. So I think you should run with that. <laughs> can't you can't, uh, can't risk you can't risk uh, losing a you know ten to nine game. Uh, Danny Vandenboom game in which you'd have to give up the Freedom Trophy. So, you know, that's, I, I, it sounds like a conspiracy to me, Ben. Anything for Wisconsinites to keep their freedom is what we're going to do, Parker. I mean, that's that's just what we do here in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of the game this year. Parker Gabriel, you can read his work uh, down in Lincoln. He's going to be looking for a game this weekend, or he's going to enjoy a nice bye week. Uh, we'll send him some spotted cow. That'll kind of keep him relaxed for the weekend. Parker, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, enjoy the rest of your season. Hopefully you get some more games to cover. Yeah, no doubt. Same to you.
That is Parker Gabriel, and that is our show uh, for this week. Uh, my thanks to, uh, again, Parker for coming on. My thanks to you for listening, and I'm sorry that we couldn't share better news for you. I was hoping to have Parker on to really break down Wisconsin and Nebraska, a really important game for both schools, and unfortunately we're going to have to wait until 2021 uh, to see those two teams play. So for the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball and recruiting, a lot of basketball news coming out now. That's going to kind of dominate uh, the BadgerBlitz.com website for the next week. Log on to BadgerBlitz.com. Follow me on Twitter at TheBadgerNation for all the latest news, all the breaking news. And, of course, follow us on Twitter, the site, at Badger underscore Blitz. Thanks for listening. As always, stay safe out there. Uh, Wear a mask, social distance, and vote. Vote on Tuesday. Very important that you vote no matter who you're voting for. Let your voice be heard. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you soon here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.